Uh, hey guys, before we get started with this week's episode, we just want to do a public service announcement for our friends at the Nature Foundation of Wintergreen. Their annual wildflower symposium is coming up in May on the 13th, 14th, and 15th. Uh, Wintergreen Nature Foundation is located near Nellie's Ford, Virginia, up at Wintergreen. And the Wildflower Symposium is a wonderful time. They've got a whole bunch of naturalists and scientists and ecologists and general beautiful nature geeks who are going to hang out and do knowledge. The theme this year is When Nature Springs to Life. It's a ton of fun. They've got, it's more than just wildflowers. They've got a ton of botanists, but also bird watchers and soil scientists and ecologists. And Charlie and Nina are both doing something with soil and mushrooms. We will be there possibly doing a talk on starting your own nature podcast. So that'll be fun. But anyway, check it out. It's May 13th, 14th, and 15th at Wintergreen. All right. By the seat of our plantsketeers, uh, get ready for another enervating episode as we discover what our wacky band of misfits has up their pants today on By the Seat of Our Plants. Well, hi folks. Uh, welcome to another exciting episode of By the Seat of Our Plants. We are joined in the fabulous Grayface Studios uh, by our esteemed friend and colleague in the nursery business, Kia Fisher. Hey, Kia, how you doing today? Hello, all. Ooh, I'm doing great. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> how is everyone? Oh, just dandy. That's Love wonderful. Beautiful, weirdly chilly spring day. I don't know what the devil's going on with this. Where, where are all the morels? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Like as soon as we're done with this. I'm going out to look for morels. There you go. That's uh, I know I've been out like twice a day every day for a year and uh, or what feels like a year. <laughs> they're not there. I mean, the ground's not 50 degrees yet, so they're not they're not popping. Did you but, stick a, a soil mm, thermometer? Yeah. Where is it at? Uh, it was like 43. Oh, it's damn. cold Almost. back in the hollow. That's true. It's probably cold back up here too. Mm. But. Um, yeah, no, I mean, bloodroot's up and everything else, so, you know, they should be there. Yeah, bluebells and stuff are up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Lots, they're just lots hiding. They're, they're not ready to be seen. That's yet. how they do, you know? <laughs> not quite ready for their close-up just yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not ready to start flooding everybody's social media feeds. <laughs> right. We say we want to be just kept in the woods. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, how do you know what a plant needs? Well... Uh, I know what a plant needs is by, well, visually, definitely mm -hmm. visually. Mm -hmm. If you see that it is basically, you know, withering and dying, you know, you know, it needs a little TLC. It needs some water. It may need, you know, some better soil. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it could be temperature, temperature or, you know, just love. Yeah. It just needs some TLC. Do you talk to your plants? I do. What do you say? Sang. Oh. I love singing. My favorite song, Tennessee Whiskey to them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. That's say awesome. good morning every morning, mm. you know? Yeah, they just need, just like you and I, you know? They need a friend. They need love. They need to be taken care of. They do most of it on their own, but mm -hmm. they just need that little boost. Do you find that you are uh, relating to plants outside 
in the woods different from in the garden different from in the nursery or is it all kind of of a piece um i think it kind of comes all together but like when i am in the woods and i just you know you could just be walking and all of a sudden you stumble upon a, mm-hmm. you know a different plant or a different you know a flower that's blooming you're like wow you know it's it's alive it's there you know mm-hmm. so rather than seeing them you know in a community all together you know mm-hmm. in a bed yeah yeah it's different yeah i don't know if you know this feeling as well but i'll be walking in the woods sometimes and i'll seemingly out of nowhere just feel my attention drawn to something and i'll turn around and there's like a hawk staring at me or there's the first bluebell of the year that's poking mm-hmm. up through the undergrowth but that's like you know 80 degrees away from my front field of view uh, i've got to turn around in a hurry and am, am i just making that up do you know what i'm talking about yeah totally just yeah. like randomly getting drawn off your path or hmm feeling like you should go down a particular row of trees or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, something's awaiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, a lot awaiting. Yeah. Right? <laughs> What's going on there? I don't know. It's calling you. It wants to be, maybe mm-hmm. it wants to be found. It wants to be seen, you know, and it could be something I'm still looking for when I'm going to be able to discover the newest the newest plant, something that hasn't been seen and been discovered before, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. maybe I'll stumble upon that and name it Kiaria or something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, Fisher's lungwort. Yeah, there you go. Something. <laughs> it's always, it's just beauty in everything. I just see beauty in everything, whether it be walking in the woods, trees, you know, the plants, just in the nursery, working with, you know, different kinds of plant, wetland, you know, mm-hmm. plants. And I just see the beauty in everything. Do you have like a, a favorite plant well, that you're working with? Definitely. I think my favorite would be the lobelia. Mm. And the reason being is that it's just, you know, the cardinal fly is just so vibrant, mm. you know, and I like that. And yeah. I like, mm-hmm. you know, I just like, I like vibrant things. I like vibrant colors and mm-hmm. not saying, you know, if there's a dull color plant, you know, I give it some love, but mm-hmm. I mean, I just, you know, I, I draw, you know, closer to, you know, vibrant plants, something that, that catches well, yeah. my eye. It's because they're like you, like very vibrant. You exactly. Know, like. <laughs> yeah. We, we just be chilling amongst ourselves. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. But I, I, I love that. And also um, definitely the grasses, of course, the love grass mm. that I got reintroduced to because it's just, I, I, it's just so dainty. It's mm. just a, such a beautiful, dainty grass. And it's just, it's beautiful in landscape. Mm-hmm. Mm. That, I love that, that one as well. That purple love grass? Yeah, yeah. The purple. It's just Good gorgeous. Stuff. It is, especially when the dew hits it, you uh-huh. know, in the morning. Oh, it's just glistening. It's just mm-hmm. beautiful. It makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those feathery. Um, are those awns? No, awns are the things that stick out from the seed. Um, panicle. That's the name for that, mm-hmm. that seed structure, I think. Beautiful. I think. Yeah, like that. It's like a column of... I don't know what do you, a panicle like um <clears throat> like the bottle brush grass has mm-hmm. those that's a that's a panicle right like the bottle brush form yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh wait is it because a, a panicle is like a bunch of seeds that are attached to a stem by other little smaller stems yeah shorter stems shorter stems and like the awns would be the things that stick out the spiny bits on the bottle brush grass oh okay okay no, so gotcha. that's not panicle 
but the but I don't know. I mean, bottle brush grass might form a panicle if there's like I'm trying to remember if there's like a little bit of a of a stemlet that connects the seed to mm. the the main stem. I like sowing those too, the bottle brush. I know. It's, it's, it's very easy to satisfy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's chunky satisfied. seeds. Yeah. yeah. Stick them in the ground. Exactly. <laughs> They're nice. Um, they come up quick too. You ever use that for yeah. a bottle brush before? What is it? Have you ever used it to like clean a bottle? <laughs> no. Never. I feel like they just like break off. Yeah, I don't, I feel like that wouldn't really work. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to try it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I mean, definitely going to try it. has got to be called that for a reason, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I guess it look. it actually doesn't really look much like a bottle brush. Because those are, no. Well, maybe before they they uh, came up with um, what is it, slinky technology that they uh, bristles, yeah. bristles, yeah, yeah. <laughs> slinky technology, yeah, exactly. uh, slinky tech, slinky tech. Before right. the slinky tech revolution, it looks more like a swiffer, a hard, like rough swiffer. You could sweep up some dirt or something with, uh-huh. yeah, you know, or like a feather duster. Exactly. Why didn't they call it the feather duster grass? Right. Yeah. 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 See that. Ten times fast. Yeah, I know you can make you can make brooms out of broom. <laughs> yeah, people did. That's true. Yeah, um, broom sedge. Broom sedge. Yeah. yeah, which is, I don't know why they call it sed broom sedge because it's it's not a sedge. It's just a it's an andropogon, just grass grass. Yeah, mm. I, I think just they're broom just grass. trying to confuse the normies. Like, right. <laughs> but it sounds good. Yeah, it right. does yeah. have a nice sound to it. Yeah, and a good euphonious sound. You were, we were almost talking about soil recently, and I know soil and nursery soils. And planting media are a particular passion expertise of yours. <laughs> I love soil. <laughs> T- tell us about the perfect soil. If such a thing does such a thing exist. That... No, you know, I guess it actually depends on the plant that you're working with. Yeah. You know what 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 it needs. You know, but um, I don't know. Definitely, you know, learning about the the usage of the vermiculite perlite and the Mm -hmm. sand to make that good mix for, you know, just repotting or just sowing seeds. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just love the feeling of it. That's, that's my favorite is to sow the seeds and just Mm -hmm. have my hands like in the soil. But um, I just think just a mix of all those together is great. Yeah. More or less even. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember learning a trick from um, this commune that I lived on briefly, tucked away back in this valley up on the, in the Siskiyou Mountains, which are the southern border of Oregon, um, which was, man, talk about morels. God, that place had so many flipping morels. So it was an old growth forest up there. Um, This is a digression, but I love this story. So like um, springtime there, so it's all old growth, like Madrone trees uh which are kind of like kind of like mountain laurels um and uh or no not yeah madron trees are the big ones then the smaller ones are blanking out the name we're probably gonna have to fake it in yeah we'll we'll do like a really obvious edit later on like record scratch (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's this is terrible manzanita jesus (laughs) good god I, yeah. Okay. It, so though. under the under the manzanita scrub, which is like like a mountain laurel scrub around here, there's just like this thick duff layer, and the forest there is is old as old, and so the the manzanita there grows like old growth mountain laurel here, you know, big and woody like trees, even though usually you see it as small shrubs, and under there in the springtime was literally just a carpet of morels for miles. Whoa. Just like, like here, like a lot of morels is you get to a patch and you see one, and then you see another, and then you see right. another, and you see another. Here it was just like they were growing like 
like leaves on the ground just everywhere like Holy you couldn't shit. step without stepping on them and um oh man i mean we got a bunch dried them sold them ate them nice. we calculated the market cost of one of our meals one time and uh it was absurd and uh <laughs> like uh, 800 dollars a plate or something like that <laughs> just like oh morel stuffed morels uh oh that sounds good i've never done that never before morels stuffed Cooked morels stuffed inside of other differently cooked morels with butter. Uh, a morel. That's like a turducken. But yeah. It's like a... <laughs> yeah. Morel. Merlocken. Merlocken clocking. Oh, man. Oh, my Merlocken. Um, but yeah, Merlocken. Mer mer Merlocken. <laughs> 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 uh, morel miso. Wow. Um, anyway, oh man, that sounds good. It was really good. <laughs> Make uh, me hungry. <laughs> but this place, uh, totally dysfunctional, as you would imagine, a uh, a, a dying commune. Uh, it, it was a commune that was reduced to two permanent residents that were so obnoxious that literally everybody else eventually left, who kept in a uh, a rotating cast of interns <laughs> and potential long term residents, none of whom would stay because the elders of the place were so insufferable hmm. um oh man are you describing no it's not the same place you're in yeah <laughs> i just i feel like i've worked at many places like this yeah, i've been to a couple of those yeah it seems like a like a like a theme or something unfortunately i mean it was beautiful i mean it had all these crazy beautiful like oregon hippie houses tucked into the woods um but but they were very good at growing vegetables uh, because they had to, with two people and a crew of increasingly surly interns, have to grow basically all the food for themselves because they were, you know, it's a pretty remote spot. Mm. Uh, they they taught me to sew a good um, couple millimeters of sand, like like dry play sand, on top of every flat you sow fresh, and that uh, when you're watering from the top, it'll keep the seeds from jumping out when the water hits them. Oh, okay. And it also gives a surface for algae to grow on so that if the, the nursery gets too, or the greenhouse gets too damp, you can just, and you get an algae thing, then you can just let the algae grow on the sand then peel the whole thing off full of algae and liverworts or whatever, and then re-sew re with sand. That's smart. That's really so, smart, yeah. You know, that's one thing I've done for a while. Yeah. Speaking of soil, like you were talking about getting your fingers in the soil, like really, oh yeah, really liking that feeling. Like I work with gloves on most of the time, but every time I go to like put seeds in the ground, I always have to take my gloves off because it's yes. like you need to have that like tactile connection with like right. soil structure and like knowing just how many seeds are coming out of your fingers and stuff like that. Absolutely. You know? yeah. yeah. I just love, I don't, it's just the, just the feeling and just knowing that, wow, I sowed that little seed and just to watch the process, you know, mm. the progress of it, just mm. to, just to grow. And then that's when the singing comes in even more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Once know. it starts coming yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, that's like necessary. <laughs> <laughs> They're like different songs at different stages of growth. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know. They, they kind of love Tennessee whiskey. Maybe because it's my favorite song. They're probably tired of hearing it, but you know, it, it, it is what it is. Greatest hits. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm going to create a song though. Hmm. Different stages of growth. I, I I like writing songs. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna create it. Maybe they'll like that. Okay, yeah. get one of those um, 
those machines uh, that Willoughby was talking about, where you hook up the diodes to the the plant or the mushroom or whatever, mm -hmm. and it converts the plant's electricity into sound. Yeah, and then you can you know want to be harmonizing that. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. Yeah, maybe that can that can happen. Yeah, and you just like hook it up to some like speakers in the nursery, and mm -hmm. the plants would just like always be. Singing to themselves and to you. That would be a cool. Oh, yeah. They're really going to jump. Just open mic, like, like every day, a different a different one gets the mic. That is so hey. cool. I think they like that. Yeah, probably. They'd be like, oh, she finally gets to be quiet. Let us speak. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's pitch that idea to the boss man. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, work. I mean, for sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the okay. kind of crazy art project that, Monday. Uh, that flies. <laughs> um, I like it. Cool. I wanted to ask you something because yeah, you were talking yeah, about yeah. the mountain laurel like here. Because um, I remember like as, as a child, that was a, my aunt, she used to love those and she used to always try to like take them out the mountain and plant them in her yard. Mm -hmm. And it never worked for oh, some really? reason. Yeah. It just yeah. never, yeah. it never worked. It's like something like they just have to be in the mountain. They will not grow like in your yard. And I always wondered mm. what it, what is keeping it there? Like what, what, what is keeping it in the mountain? Mm. You know, like it just makes me. I know they're super particular about their soils. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. Like they need a, a pretty high acidic situation. And then, you know, I know they can thrive in rockier, more kind of eroded soils than a lot of other plants can. It doesn't necessarily mean that they always prefer to, but they can endure it. Yeah. Those then, are beautiful. My dad's had some success transplanting. Really? Some of those from, oh, wait, no, it wasn't those. It was like rhododendrons from mm, from the backyard, beautiful. like from kind of down in the woods. Right. And um, he surprised me, the, sh the shit he's been able to get to grow, like up at the top of the hill in his garden. Mm -hmm. yeah. He'll go back there and dig out like bloodroot and nettles and um all kinds of shit like that and then bring it up in ferns and stuff mm -hmm. and it'll all grow up there like i'm cool. just like damn like, yeah green thumb yeah, yeah totally. exactly yeah it was huge ferns like where i grew up too mm. near the little fox dens we were always scared to go and uh, dig those up uh -huh. it was like maybe <laughs> foxes they're not gonna like that exactly it was like little little fern gully back there yeah it was nice because you grew up in albemarle county here yeah yeah Sure I did. How's it changed since then? Has it changed since then? Oh, uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's changed a lot yeah. because um, I went to school like early 90s, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in the area. And just everything is just grew up so much. There's so many more like, you know, developments and wineries, breweries, mm -hmm. you know, um, none of that was existing back then. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's nice, you know, if you want to just go out and hang out and have fun, but, you know, kind of miss seeing the landscape, how it was before, you yeah. know, like I, I remember when we was like, wow, they built like 16 houses right there. And our bus used to go by that. And it was mm -hmm. just like this open, beautiful mm -hmm. field, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's changed a lot. Yeah. I remember, um, our, colleague and friend Rosetta was saying about how there used to be way more of the butterfly milkweed, the mm -hmm. orange butterfly milkweed. You see that all the time in the roadsides uh, and ditches. Incarnata? No, the tuberosa, tuberosa yeah. Asclepis tuberosa, but incarnata too, apparently from other folks I've heard, but that nowadays it's in smaller patches. I mean, you still see the common milkweed, the, yeah. the big tall pink one around, mm -hmm. but 
the little orange one is more patchy now, and I'm sure there's there's plenty of others like that. You know, I don't know if that's a direct consequence of the land getting sliced up into smaller and smaller partitions, or if it's a factor of there being more pollution around from you know, more cars on the roads and more dubious crap in the atmosphere, or or what exactly. Or if it's just going through a seasonal cycle. I mean, there are great seasons where for hundreds of years a certain community of plants will be major in an area and then they'll drift away and something else will take over and yeah, it's true. things do change on their own cycle. I don't know. I feel like those ones, they're, the orange ones, take a little while to get comfortable Yeah, in a spot and then they are uh, quick to leave if shit starts getting weird. <laughs> yeah. But that's just I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't quite blame them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's not, it's not the same. And especially what they're doing where at the bottom where 151 and 250 meets right there, mm-hmm. where yeah. they want to create that. It's like, what oh, are they man. doing there? What are they? It's supposed to be a roundabout or something like that. Right? Oh, man. I mean, that thing is going to, I mean, it's cut right into a hillside right there. Right. So 250 follows the old fault line. Well, not the old fault line, the fault line that splits this little corner of the continent. Uh, really? Yeah, there are a couple, the past couple of earthquakes we've had in here, mm-hmm. that's the fault that they were on. Oh, no way. Okay. So cutting into that bank as steep as that, especially after the bank, a little bit uphill of that, up on the ridge, um, you know, where 250 goes up towards Waynesboro, that collapsed, what, about this time last year, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. And for almost, what, nine months, it was totally blocked off with a giant rock slide. So, okay, go ahead, try that thing. It's going to end up eroding back into... The, the slope of Rawson's front yard. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Eventually, no matter what. Yeah. Well, uh, just let it happen naturally. <laughs> yeah, right. Trouble, trouble, trouble. And sadly, it's for the convenience of breweries. I'm sorry, but it, it is. really is. It's not, it's not for the locals here, you know, it's, no, it's, it's for, mm. it's for all these breweries and wineries that's opening it up and it's like, it's too much traffic. It's mm-hmm. just, and poor little Crozet, that's how I feel too, you know, like yeah. it's just... Old trail and all that. Yeah. yeah. That's a city to me now, you yeah, know? It it's a city. Yeah, yeah they're, they're trying to like... I'm sure you've heard people talking about like coming down or coming up 151 being like, I love, you know, <laughs> I love the Brew Ridge Trail as they call it. Right. Um, but they got to do something about that intersection at the end. Traffic's terrible there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Stop going there. Right. Yeah. Traffic will get better. Absolutely. There's plenty of plenty of breweries and grocery stores in Charlottesville. Yeah. Yeah. And Richmond. Yeah. Right. And DC. <laughs> <laughs> and just Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are it's okay that there are things in the world that you don't have. Yeah, right. There yeah. are things in the world that you don't need to be told you can't have that. You can just say, No, that's for the people who live there. I, I don't need to be there. I, yeah, don't, I don't need to, to be able to things. drive through there and look at it all out the window while I'm getting drunk. That's like, right. Yeah, <laughs> just driving and drinking and driving and drinking all that's the way what, down the that's road. That's for us. <laughs> exactly. we live here. That's what backcountry roads yeah. are for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not 151. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish as a community, um, we could have been a little more vocal on that, yeah. you know, in the beginning of all that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that got swallowed up in the pipeline fight. You know, we were uh, fighting the big uh, pipeline through and that's after... After that was one, I mean, they didn't build the pipeline. The energy, which was already kind of fractious between, you know, there's that political thing between the folks who were 
recent transplants to Nelson County, a lot of whom were very vocally against the pipeline, were kind of stirring up the pot in some ways against folks who had lived here for longer, mm-hmm. saying, well, you're not really an environmentalist because this, that, and the other thing. Not everybody, but there was enough rumbles within that scene that it just, it twigged me a little. I mean, mm-hmm. no bad sess, Friends of Nelson, awesome organization, tons of great folks doing good work. Oh, yeah. You know, a victory for everybody for stopping that, they're fighting that thing, getting that thing canceled. But the wake of it was not necessarily a unified front against development per se, as much as it was a desire to not have that particular type of pollution and that particular type of eyesore in these particular backyards mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. Yeah. You know, the the newspaper piece about the dude with the the multi-million dollar Airbnb operation that was strongly against the pipe because it would affect his bottom line and ruin his view shed. Like, that's the same kind of dude who's profiteering off of the similar, slower destruction of water and agricultural community and so on that is the result of, you know, runaway development. Yeah. So, you know. It's like even a broken clock. Yeah. You know, it's right <laughs> twice a day. I don't want to be just like, you know, we've got enemies among us. We've got to root them out because that's not helpful. We're going to need to find a way for all of us to be allied in the same front. You know, too much time is spent divvying up one from another saying, you know, you're this type of person or that type of person unless you can't work together. Fuck that. No, we have too much common interest. <laughs> yeah. You know, we all need clean water. We all need a nice place to live. Like, oh, yeah. Let's do that. And since you mentioned that about the Airbnb, it mm. is so hard to find any rentals here. There's absolutely so no, I had to move all the way to Charlottesville, yep. you yeah. know, and Fuck. it's, yeah, yeah, I can't stand it, you yeah. know, and I'm like, wow, I grew up here and I'm like, I remember not even what, 15 years ago, you mm-hmm. could find, I mean, like 400, 500 bucks, yeah. a yeah. decent little house with a yep. nice yard, you mm-hmm. know, you can't, it's non-existent now. There's The people, I mean, almost nobody... That's like you were talking about, yeah, like almost nobody who grew up around here lives in these areas anymore unless yeah. they have generational property, Absolutely. you know, that they, that has been immune to the ridiculous housing yeah. bubbles, which I feel like we're in one right now and nobody mm. wants to admit it, but mm. yeah, shit's crazy right now. And like none of the locals stick around because they can't afford it and they end up moving out further and further out. And then it's like Northern Virginia, DC, mm. you know, commuters moving down here, trying to get away from what's going on in Northern Virginia and accidentally bringing it down here yeah. with them. You know, like the traffic and, you know, Charlottesville wasn't designed to be, have this many people in it. Oh, know? goodness, <laughs> no, it's overrun. Yeah, I mean, high density is not necessarily the worst thing for housing itself, so long as there's enough green space around to keep the carrying capacity of that area. You know, I think part of the problem, part of why we're seeing so many rural areas getting chewed up, you know, the way Albemarle County did and the way Nelson County I hate to say it looks like it's going to be, is the gutting of small farmer, small farm, multi-use farm, agricultural supports that were sort of relics of the old New Deal Mm -hmm. um, policies that were, you know, steadily eroded all through the 60s and 70s, but then really got whacked in the infamous Reagan farm bill in, was that 80, 81, something like that, that basically took all of the programs that were supporting what is that? Multi-use farms, whatever the technical term for that is. You know what I'm talking about? Like a farm yeah, that has I don't, I can't think of the... chickens and cows and, and goats and vegetables and so on. And instead diverted all that to 
single crop farms, mm -hmm. uh, restructured the food safety laws to do a few things for actual safety and restrict smaller factories. But mostly what it did was put a bunch of onerous requirements for inspection services. So for instance, for a poultry house, in order for an on-site poultry facility to be registered, you need a bathroom with a set number of specified fixtures for the express use of the inspector. So mm -hmm. if you're a giant farm that's got, you know, 18 chicken barns and, you know, a staff of hundreds, then uh, that's not too big of an extra outlay. If you are one little house that grows chickens on the side, raises chickens on the side, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. And so these types of nickels and dimes by inches have made it so that small farmers really are struggling to to comply with all this stuff. And so what that's meant is that rural areas can't afford to feed themselves. We've got food deserts in areas that are full of arable land. Mm -hmm. I mean, still also the legacy of, you know, old plantation style land allocation out here. But I was going to say that ties in really conveniently with like ultra wealthy landowners out here who can afford like those kinds of penalties just mean nothing to them. Yeah. You know, like uh, they're maybe literally just a house who wants to have 10 chickens, but they can easily meet those weird onerous demands that are put out there. Um, and they don't think twice about it because it doesn't affect, they don't have a bottom line, you know, it can't be affected by that. Um, meanwhile, like smaller people who are trying to do subsistence farming, you know, are overburdened with that kind of shit. I mean, that's the story of Timber Creek around here, right? That was that uh, mm -hmm. that sort of toy farm that wanted to get into the beef business. Mm -hmm. uh, dude fancied himself a businessman and so ran it hard. And so what he did was underpriced his beef and sold it at a loss and flooded the local market with quote unquote local pasture raised grass fed beef that all the local restaurants could buy at a really good price. But what that meant was that the dozens and dozens of other small herders around here couldn't compete with that because he was selling way below cost. Yeah. And so put a ton of long running or ambitious biological, ecological cattlemen out of business. Mm -hmm. And then a couple years later, the business folded because it was being run completely unsustainably. Right. <laughs> so it's, again, like somebody coming from outside and bringing, not becoming like the place, but making the place become like them to the detriment of all. Yeah. We need to kick it back old school, right. <laughs> you know, bring that old school farming back. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's pretty sad. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see why everyone just wants to come to all of the rural areas and just, I don't know, just create, like, just do what they, just do what they want to do. And don't, they don't have any consideration for the locals that, have been here for generations or, yeah. Yeah. or even haven't been here for generations. You have people move here that has good plans. You know, they, they really want to create something good, but they don't even have the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, pretty sad. Yeah. Yep. It's bleak. Oh man. That sounds like a great time for an ad break. Hey, this is Charlie Seps, uh, co-host of By the Seed of Our Plants, and I wanted to let you know about this absolutely incredible affiliate opportunity that I came across the other day. Uh, I was talking to the folks over at the brand new, brand new Infinestium, and they let me know that for no money in, if you have a bathtub 
and working plumbing, you can join this affiliate opportunity. All you have to do is fill up your tub with lukewarm water, take your patent pending ISO-Write, am I reading this right? ISO-Write technology with KinetaWave energy conversion, and 97.3% of the mechanical energy of your heartbeat and other smooth muscle contractions gets turned into crypto. So every time you plug in and you receive this in the mail for free, if you sign up with code BITSOP, I receive 5% of your energy expenditure, but for every affiliate that you sign up, you get 2.5%. 5% of 2.5%. Every porcelain fixture, 3.975% of every infinesti. One infinesti. Kinetowave technology has not been tested on humans. So, if you have two bathrooms in your house, you can easily be making 0.00125 infinestium every month. With compounding interest technology, the energy expenditure necessary for every infinestium mined actually increases with every affiliate. So join now so that you can be the first to experience ageless, infinite, indestructible alienation. Infinestium. Infinestium users, personally responsible for byproducts. I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're just in the break. Um, I'm beginning to talk a little bit more about uh, madrone trees and uh, manzanitas. So they've got this this gnarly peeling bark. Um, yeah, uh, those of you who have spent time on the West Coast already know what I'm talking about. If not, imagine a, uh, a mountain laurel that grows to the size of a uh, much larger mountain laurel in the case of Manzanita or like a, a small oak tree in the case of the Madrone tree. And they have this peeling bark over this beautiful, shiny, strawberry red underbark Whoa. that stays a couple degrees cooler than the air temperature around uh, because of biology. That, that was all I wanted to mention about the Madrone tree. That's they really just cool. Have the, this cool bark. It is. Why is it strawberry red and do they bleed um <laughs> there is that tree that it is that bleeds yeah what yes it's not literal blood but it has like a red yes when they cut it yeah gnarly. it looks like blood yeah and it comes out like in large enough quantities that it's like gory whoa that's intense yeah i can't i can't think of what that is i was just thinking about the strawberry like he said the color yeah <laughs> i mean i know red pigment often indicates uh, the this is I'm gonna sound like a fucking moron. We're probably pigments indicate the presence. Red pigment indicates the presence of certain chemicals <laughs> known you by science, <laughs> <laughs> made of molecules. Inertia is a property of matter. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say, Ben. Consider the following. <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy, remember that? I love him. Yeah. Uh, Bill Nye. Oh, so Bill, speaking Bill. of yeah. <laughs> Bill, Bill, Bill. Um, and speaking of matter, this is something I I do I do know how to make sound convincing. So matter and mother have the same root. They well, mean the same thing, basically. Matter mm-hmm. is the 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 mother of all. Whoa. I like, I like that. that that part of it. Yeah, you all language that, is poetic, even what's science. That, that plant matter. M A D D. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what's 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 the matter? <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of red matter. pigments, that's a that's a dye plant. It gives a bright red dye. Matter oh does. really? Yeah. Cool. Nice. I actually just sewed some matter the other day for my my mother the dyer. Mm. That is awesome. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, for hair color. 
<laughs> would it work yeah right oh wild yeah naturally man that'd be a bright bright red oh i'd love it <laughs> yeah it doesn't really matter though <laughs> i'm sorry uh, i apologize that was great <laughs> uh, i was just sitting over here waiting to <laughs> say that what's the matter with you man <laughs> doesn't really matter <laughs> no <laughs> Well, on to other matters here. <laughs> we better stop with that. I'm just getting madder and madder. <laughs> wow. Uh, we're good. Yeah, we're, we're that good. We're, we're, yeah, definitely. <laughs> nope, still drawing a blank. Somebody else got something? Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever notice when you're, when you're working with seeds, if you can tell if a seed is, is viable or not, just from... The seed itself? Well, I try, and you know what I also figured out? Um, water, like just mm. to put it, you know, like in a little bit of water, because I noticed once like uh, like some of them is sink or swim, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like sink or swim on, on some of them. Uh, but um, I'm not, I, I, I find like with, uh, we were talking about like the bottle brush and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, it's very tricky because the seeds themselves, like um, it's like a hole. There's, there's mm -hmm. not a seed in it, you know, mm -hmm. at all. So um, I really have to really look at that now. Yeah. Like smaller seeds and, and stuff like that is very hard to determine that. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Yeah. I always just over, I mean, if it's, if it's small enough that I can, um, uh, theater of the mind here. I'm got my thumb and my forefinger together, and I'm rubbing them together as though they were full of little tiny seeds. Mm. Really good um, audio stuff. Yeah, let me let yeah. me hold my hand up to the microphone so you can hear it. <laughs> okay, patented <laughs> visual technology. This is audio visual technology. <laughs> oh man, I wish we could get the color though. You know, it's it sucks broadcasting black and white radio. <laughs> <laughs> I know we really got to upgrade these microphones to, yeah. uh, to full color. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can tint it in post. Yeah, definitely. Color correction. Um, but anyway, yeah, if it's if they're little, little itty bitty seeds, I'll usually just sprinkle like a whole bunch of them together on their right. bigger seeds. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I'll hold them in my palm sometimes. They can feel sometimes, and I get it wrong a lot of times, so I can't say it's it's 100%, but there is a, a certain... Mm, not just a weight and a thickness, because sometimes smaller, thinner, more desiccated seeds will spring up just fine. But yeah. there's a certain character to a living seed that a dead seed just doesn't have. They're drier as well, too. Like, they yeah. kind of, like, crumble. Something. Yeah, the lightness to it, it just doesn't, yeah. like, I'll sound out to it and I just don't get anything back. Whereas for a, a living seed, like, you'll you'll feel a kind of echo of your your feeling or your mind going towards it to check in on them. And yeah. if I'm doing you know 20 flats in a day i'm not going to do that for every single one yeah. but you know for the larger seeds that that are going in less I, i'll usually try to take the time to do it save myself some time right. there's something really mm -hmm. satisfying about starting out with a whole mess of like grass seed all attached to its panicles <laughs> with awns all sticking out all over the place uh -huh. and like um you know mashing it between your hands um i'm i'm mashing my hands together now <laughs> Uh, and that, that rubs the ons off and, and strips off some of the outer, the outer hull, leaving the living seed on the inside and just watching that drop into the, the canister while all the, the chaff blows off. Mm. You take this giant pile of grass seed and you're left with like a thimbleful. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. And like, the screens work very well for that. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the screening for those. Do you shake those? Do you push those through? Or? I like to 
push it with my with my fingers, mm-hmm. like to push it through. You know, sometimes lightly, sometimes you got to, depending on the seed, you have yeah. to be a little rougher with it. But I like to um, push it through. And you know what? That's that's something I really enjoy doing. I mm. like to to see that, you know, separation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Like you just, what it was and what it's become, you know? Yeah. I like it. Yeah, seed storing. I mean, it's, it's a whole art of, of learning, just as every seed has its own preference for, every plant has its own preference for soil. Um and the preferences are different from in the nursery to in the ground, but then also seeds. I mean, every single different species of seed and different seasons of seed seems like they've got a different characteristic for how they like to be stored. Mm. Some stuff you put it in the fridge, it'll just rot. Most of it's all right. Sure. Some stuff likes it in plastic. Some stuff likes it in paper. Yeah. Some yeah. stuff just wants to be sown immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Some stuff wants to be stratified like two or three times. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And wet strat versus dry strat, you know, uh-huh. like if you're doing it. You know, stratifying is the process by which seed is artificially made cold before sowing to simulate wintertime. A lot of seeds in places that have seasons, like here, um, need a certain number of days below a certain temperature in the 40s before the seed knows to wake up in the springtime or midsummer for some species. And so you can fake that by sticking them in a fridge. And sometimes you can do that dry strat, which is just you put the seed pack or the seed bag in the fridge. And then others, they need to be in contact with moisture. And so you can do that with a bag of sand or with with soil. Right. And also like the burning, like with the sumac. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the sumac. That was a fun experiment. That was fun. What did you guys do? Oh, you want to explain? uh, Sure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We, we, uh, we, so we took sumac, which is a species, an early, early successional species that, uh, of shrub that, most of you know what sumac is. If not, uh, look it up. The little little red berries uh, taste like lemonade, and you can you can spur them, or we thought we might be able to spur them to sprout by burning them. So we took the candles of of seed, uh, forms this sort of dense pack of seed mass. And was that when we were making the bamboo? We had like we we're firing no, we... the bamboo for the pots. Uh, no, that was at a separate time. Okay. Yeah. Um, never mind. Use ash. Yeah, that's right. So we let the yes. fire burn down like after cooking lunch or something probably. Yeah. And then took the, the sumac uh, seed heads and stuck them down in the ashes for a yes. while and turned them over. Not so that they all the way burned and crisp, but just enough for the fire to kind of burn off the fuzz on the outside of the sumac seeds. And then we sowed those and we had pretty good germination on those. It's yes. like 80%, something like that. Yeah. It was awesome. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That reminds me of a quote experiment that uh, me and Troy did one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a, something went to seed right next to the vegetable gardens. I can't remember what it was. I think it might've been wild lettuce or maybe it was a type of thistle or something. It was mm-hmm. something that we didn't recognize. And it was about to be a really windy day. And we were looking at the garden and looking at, um, it was like, uh, I don't know what you call it, but kind of like dandelion seeds where it, it's like really puffy and wind could pick it up and carry it real easily. And it's it, it's like cottony almost right. on the top. And we we're just looking at it like, oh, man, this is going to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like, what if, how can we like capture all these? And we're like, can we bag them? Oh, there's too many for that. And like every time you touch it, they all go flying off. And eventually we, <laughs> we settled on um, taking a little propane torches. And then uh, as like right as we were finishing it up, it took us like two hours because there were so many of them. Goodness. We were like, uh, I can't remember. One of us looked over at the other and was like, what if these seeds 
like need to experience fire <laughs> germinate and we just right. like, we just prime the entire oh yeah. wow oh man but i don't i have no idea i don't even remember it must have been a thistle yeah of some kind that explains that giant thistle patch right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness oh man successful experiment there we go <laughs> successful succession <laughs> um so yeah fire for seed prep great for prepping a, a, a bed for planting and if you are able to to get with the drip torches or something um for clearing out a patch of overgrown lawn or something um you know stay on the right side of your local fire department mm-hmm. notify your neighbors uh do it official get permits etc cetera, etc cetera, uh, or you know don't get caught but yeah that's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff comes up after a low intensity burn uh, but nothing comes up after a high intensity burn as i learned to my dismay the first time that i tried that oh, no uh what do you mean high intensity just pile up a bunch of sticks and make a fire on the ground oh and then just try to and then just try to plant and that that doesn't work that just carbonizes the soil it kills everything dead and you just have an open bare patch that forever succeeded by nice to know by mullen <laughs> oh <laughs> for about four years before there's oh, any wow. kind of soil in there Whoa. yeah yeah yeah. You'll never do that again, huh? No. No, I won't. It was, it was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I guess you probably like... I just baked it into clay. Like, I yeah. just made adobe. Oh, wow. <laughs> it wasn't a big patch, fortunately, but it's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm being ecological. I'm doing a controlled burn. It's like, no, you're not. You just have a, a brush pile that you you made a bonfire. Yeah. Oh, wow. Not quite the same thing. Yeah. I, I guess that kind of makes sense, though. Like, you think about, like, solarizing, like, mm. covering a patch up with something and a tarp or black plastic or whatever yeah yeah get all the seed all the the wheat seed to germinate and then get smothered yeah i prefer like the if you're going to try to like get weed seeds out like doing a stale seed bed thing mm. where you like disturb the soil a little bit like mm-hmm. with a strap hoe or something and let all the seeds germinate and then hoe them down mm-hmm. and then at the same time you're disturbing it again and they all germinate and hoe them down you just do yeah. that a few times and you kind of exhaust what's in the upper layer mm-hmm. of the seed bank, as long as you're not turning it all over with a tiller or something, mm-hmm. then you like seriously cut down on the amount of seed pressure from stuff that's in the seed bank. And of course there's always weed seeds, but yeah, you end up with like way less. <laughs> to yeah. yeah. Oh, I've done that with some, some beds that I've been patient enough to plan a, a season in advance. Yeah. You, you can't grow anything in them when you're doing that. That's the thing. It's, yeah. like, it's like you're dedicated. That's just, This is the fallow year. Yeah. The year of maybe a little bit of grass or uh, straw mulch on top. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Like for people who want to like grow grass, you got to mm-hmm. realize like here it is so, it is so much clay here. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. hard. You like literally have to penetrate the earth in yeah. order to put that seed in. You just can't like throw it and just mm-hmm. you know <laughs> lay a straw on out. top yeah because yeah. you know, and and the birds they're, they're definitely coming. gonna they're coming for it. they're gonna <laughs> yeah. they're gonna tear it up <laughs> yeah i learned yeah. that yeah they what do you use those um aerator things yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. making those little soil worms exactly mm-hmm. you know my sister used to eat the clay no way yeah I don't know. She like, she enjoyed it. You know, I've actually heard of that before. People getting minerals from the clay. Yeah, and stuff. it's a deficiency. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Twitty used to talk about that. Um, yeah. Eating eating clay like just a little bit though. Yeah. Like not a lot of it. Well, she she ate a lot. <laughs> she ate a lot of it. And she still eats like cornstarch and different stuff like that. Oh dang! Yeah. Interesting. 
it, it is, it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> yeah. It's just like white powder. And she, can, she can't even barely talk like she's trying to talk. And I'm like, like just You can't even quiet. swallow because yeah, it I just know. dries all your... Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if it's starch. an iron deficiency or something like that within it. Some minerals that you're missing or huh. something, something that you're missing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. I mean, I guess it... It is a little like rain on your wedding day yeah. or free wide when you've already paid. It, yeah. it might be a little ironic. Yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> Why was I getting ready to say Avril Levine? That is not Avril Levine. That is uh, Alanis Morissette. Yeah. Oh. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, I was like, right. wait a second. <laughs> I don't know. I was just. I was just singing some Avril Lavigne the other day. <laughs> yeah, I love her, but I was She's just great. wondering. I was like, no, that's to the plants. Yeah. Well, no. I wasn't. <laughs> Have you tried it? They might like it. I don't know. Give it a try. Might be, might be nostalgic for... Uh, it's like rain <laughs> on your wedding day. <laughs> oh, man. I'll do it this week. None of those things are ironic in that song. No. Maybe that's the, the real irony is that it's not ironic at all. Yeah. It's not. It's like ironic that the song is called ironic. But that's not... That's, that's also not ironic. That's also not ironic. <laughs> I don't think. I'm lost in the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. The clay is pretty irony, though. Mm. Yeah. A lot of iron. Right? Yeah. And clay. It is. Around here, anyway, yeah. That yeah. red. Stain a tire real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, can I, you I, die with that? Like, can you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? actually, I just painted my... Uh, a bunch of walls in my house with um, oh. with some of the minerals from the clay around here. Did you wow. just like mix it into paint or something? Yeah, yeah. So my mother had all these, um, or at least some, um, like mineralized pigments from stone around here, uh, hematite and ochre. The hematite is uh, this sort of purplish color and the ochre is, is yellow. Beautiful. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I just mixed it in with, with regular old white, white primer paint. Oh, cool. That's it awesome. We did that with coffee one time, coffee wash or whatever. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was really good. Uh, we got it to a point where it was mm-hmm. really good, but you could see the progression on the w- different walls. We started, the coffee was too uh, coarse the first time. So <laughs> yeah, it was some texture. It just Stucco. bad. Yeah, it looked really bad. Like we could like stuckle. pick the grains out of the paint oh for years after that. Did it smell good? Uh, no. No. It just, it looked really bad at first. Like it just looked like the, the wall was dirty. And then we eventually got it to where it looked pretty cool. Like, mm-hmm. like a, like a mocha or something. Ooh, but, that's nice. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And it, it's, did the color stay? It didn't. Yeah. How oh, cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Huh. Terracotta is like my favorite. That, mm, that color yeah. is so beautiful. Mm. And that's clay. And then, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Getting somewhere. <laughs> the brain is smoking. No, because I, 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 no, I want to try that. Right. <laughs> I want to try that. I'm going to just create different um, different paintings and see what it comes out. Yeah. To yeah. Now, what could create green out here? Like what? Everything. Oh. Yeah. Can you, can you get a, like a, like a good dye from just like crushing up like green plant matter yeah in fact that's mm-hmm. one of the the so with dyes um one of the biggest parts is getting your getting your mordanting your uh your fabric first and the mordant is like a pre-soak the mordant is the uh the thing that bites in uh the language of dying people dyers that sounded wrong <laughs> uh, 
like dent, dent, dental, dental hygiene, more dent because it, it bites oh. more. Um, that's not the actual etymology, but it's close enough. So yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> so things like, uh, like alum root, uh, or, uh, or chemical alum or iron, or there's a bunch of, there's a ton of different wardens. And what that does is it prepares the fabric so that it will accept and hold the pigment chemicals from whatever you're, you're dying. Oh, cool. So things like pokeweed, pokeberries give you this bright magenta color, but yeah. it's really fugitive. As they say, the color fades really fast. Mm. But if you mordant whatever you're wanting to dye linen or, or silk or whatever first, then the color will stay. And different mordants combined with different pigments give you different colors. So the same color dye, like acorns give a pale blue with certain mordants and more of a, a brownish color with others and uh, kind of a pale green with others. Oh, cool. So that combination gives you all different types of shades and stuff. I just got a great idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Because he was like the pokeberry. I'm going to make some pokeberry lip tint. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. There you go. Because I got some from a store and it sucks. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to create it. I like that. Are you still making the... Um, the, the mushroom uh, hair uh, hair product? I want to. That was out of the uh, stink horn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the little, the little eggs. Yeah, I actually, it, it was like a hair gel. I tried to, I wanted to like make it more into it like a serum, you know, later yeah. on. But it slicked my hair back real nice. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I put a little essential oils it, in it. Did it have the smell? From the stink horn? No, it actually, oh. it actually, no, because it was the, the, the little. Before um, it got stinky. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't the tip. It was the. Mm -hmm. It was the. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna stop. Let's go all the way to the base. It but was, it was the, it was the little eggs that was you know uh, more underground. Yeah, those little round things. Those round things at the bottom, things at the bottom yeah. of the, the horn. Yeah. <laughs> Full of that uh, that little goo, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like that little like sack. Yeah, so I made it like. I made it like I made the flaxseed. <laughs> I made it like I made the flaxseed gel, you know, uh -huh. um, yeah. and it worked. It, it was just, it was just the same. And I just added a little essential oil so it could um, smell. I mean, it had no smell actually. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, mm. it didn't have a smell at all. More earthy, like a mushroom. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that smell, but I was like, Hey, let me add in something else. I forget what it was. I think mm. it was like for the, the man, I put like, um, spearmint or something. And oh, yeah. yeah, for, yeah. I don't know. I was I'm gonna do it again. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah, man, stinkhorn fungi are so weird. They they hatch out of these eggs, subterranean eggs, and then send up this um really phallic looking, I mean, even more phallic than most mushrooms look, uh yeah. spire that uh yeah, looks like a dog's dick and smells. <laughs> I've never smelled a dog's penis, so I don't know if it's uh how how similar they actually are, but <laughs> Uh, but when they're in the egg stage, they neither look nor smell like that, but they make no. great hair gel. <laughs> right. Good hair gel. <laughs> they're the... ugly. <laughs> it is. Yeah. There's that um, squid one or whatever. Um, octopus stinkhorn or something. Oh, squid yeah. Squid stinkhorn yeah. that comes out. It doesn't. It has like, it literally looks like an upside down octopus. It has like all mm -hmm. these weird curled tentacles coming up out of the ground. And the first time I saw one, I was like, holy cow. And I just like touched it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God. <laughs> just squirted on me a little. Oh, yeah. goodness. Oh, was it squishy? It was, it was sticky and oh yeah, it smelled gross. just gross. Yeah. It was terrible. Just very slowly writhing. 
Thanks, Nigel. Yeah, man, it'd be interesting to get a uh, a time lapse camera on those things and just yeah. see how they Creepy. how they move. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I bet it's really unnerving. Or even at night. What are, what are they doing at night? I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass on that. Right. <laughs> ah, nature's well, mysteries. Right. <laughs> now I have to know. That's that's my mission. Hmm. Yeah. Find out. What do the stink horns get up to when nobody's looking? Exactly. Yeah. Why is there Must name? be something good the way they're smelling. Right. <laughs> yeah, and they multiply what... so, so rapidly. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Hmm. But we love the edible. They are edible. Are they? That's what uh, Charlie, I think he told me in some, I don't know. Don't quote me on it. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I think he did say they were. Charlie will eat anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Um, He's like, I, he means it won't kill you. Okay, good. <laughs> I usually like, I'm like, if Charlie can eat it, I can eat it. Yeah, right. You know, and I At really was once. never into like dandelions or anything like oh, that. Yeah. And I was like. Charles like, give it a try. And I was like, okay, because I seen him do it. I was like, oh, gosh, no, it was so bitter. I was like, was never so again. Bitter, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You Didn't gotta, bother like, dress him. them up with something or like <laughs> mix them in with some lettuce or exactly. something like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, but dandelions don't separate and smell like... Oh, yeah, yeah, that. Fetter. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, they don't uh, have like that like jock strap aroma. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna talking about the stink horns though. That was that was yeah yeah was such cool. a cool project. It was yeah. Anyway, yeah. thank you so much for joining us, kids. Oh, it's been, well, thank yeah. y'all for having like me. Do it Pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll definitely do it again. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate it. Cool. Well, thank you all for uh, tuning in to Buy the Seed of Our Plants. Um, if you would like to support the show, please kick us a couple of bucks over on our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash buy the seed of our plants. And we do have or will have some additional extra content for uh, people who give us money only in advance. Um, eventually, everything will be open for everybody. But if you kick us a couple, you can get to hear it early. Um, you can also hear us on wherever you're listening to it right now. That's an option that you already know about. Uh, check out our website. It is littlebluestem.net. Uh, this is a product of the Little Blue Stem Collective and Grayface Studios. Um, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>